All right, open up the Galatians 3. Open up the Galatians. Galatians. You got a Bible? <clears throat> Come on, how many got a Bible tonight? Y'all got a bunch of iBibles. It's all right. Still Bible. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 5. Galatians 3, verse 5. A lot of people out of town right now. A lot of people leaving right now. A lot of people coming back right now. It's a new year. Happy New Year. It's 2012. Was it January 5th today? Cool. A lot of response. I'm loving it. All right. uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Say verse 5. Okay. We got a a lot of excited people tonight. Hey, if my, if my nose, if my voice sounds nasally, it's because my nose is crazy. Are you there? You there? Galatians 3, verse 5. It says this. I ask you, say me. Come on, say me. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? <clears throat> of course not. Say, of course not. Of course not. It's because you believe the message You heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. So those who try to be a better person by their own standards and requirements are under a curse. Curse, you following me? But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scripture says, Curse is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in the book of the law. How many of you understand that passage? Probably, probably all of us. The, whole, the, the idea is very simple. None of us have perfectly obeyed God's commandments. You following me? None of us. Very simple. It's that simple. And if you haven't, you're cursed crazy so it is clear that no one can be made right with god by trying to keep the law for the scriptures say it is through faith say faith that a righteous person has life this way of faith say faith is very different from the law from the way of the law which says it is through obeying the law that i that a person has life but christ has rescued us from the from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Say faith. All right, the context is very simple. As it's trying to say, there were believers, Christians, like you and like me, that were reverting to trying to be good people, trying to do better, 
trying to be a better person so that God would bless them, so that God would like them. There were people that were believing and teaching and living in such a way that they thought that if you were doing better, if you were, if you were praying more, if you were working harder, if you were being a better person, that God would bless you and like you more. Are you following me? Come on, are you following me? The context is that this was a church in Galatia. Where was it? All right, it was a church in Galatia, and, and these people, these believers were, came to believe that, that if they tried to be better people, God would bless them. Now, the blessing of God that they're talking about is that you'd be made right with God. The ultimate blessing, the highest blessing, the best blessing is that you would be in right relationship with God because we naturally are not in right relationship with God, are we? Come on. We naturally are, are pitiful. I mean, I'm a bad person, and you're a bad person. We're, we're a group of bad people saved and loved by a good God. Are you hearing me? So it, it makes it very obvious, the passage, the context of this passage is, look, stop trying to get God to like you by trying to be a better person. Paul strongly encourages that the blessing of God is only through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul writes a whole book, a letter that is written to this, these people, and he says, look, you're trying so hard. You couldn't do it before. Why do you think you can do it now? You're bad people. Stop trying to do it. Just put your faith and keep your faith in Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done for you. And you're good with God. If you start trying to be a better person, you will fall under the curse of the law, which simply is you will feel guilty and condemned before God your entire life. If you're here tonight and you feel guilty in any way, it's not because God's mad at you. It's because you're mad at yourself because you're finding out you're a bad person. And you can't be good enough. You're finding out truth. The devil doesn't need to lie to you and say that you're not a good person. You're not a good person. That's the truth. The devil actually says a lot of true things. Problem is that we don't know what truth is more important. One truth says I'm not a good person. The other truth says that God forgives me anyway. And he loves me anyway. If you feel guilty, if you feel condemned, it's not because God's mad at you. It's because you're trying to be a better person so that God would love you. And what you've forgotten is that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been made right with God already. Let's pray. Let's context the passage. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to help us understand this passage more. Father, we thank you so much that you're here, and you love us, and you've blessed us. I ask God now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, I ask you to help us to understand and to see what is true and what is real and what is authentic and what you've said. I pray, God, that you'd help us to turn from our promises and turn and look at what you've said and what you've promised to us and simply put our faith in your son and what he promised. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a new year, 2012. What's the first thing people do usually on a new year? Some resolution. One of the first thing people do 
usually at Christmas or the day after Christmas, you know, you got done opening their presents, sitting down, thinking about their presents, loving their presents, enjoying their presents. And they're thinking, man, a whole new year's coming. I got a clean slate, which that doesn't even make sense. It's some like pagan philosophy, but I got a clean slate. The whole year is gone. I got a new year, brother. People get excited and they start making all these resolutions. I'm going to gain 15 pounds. <laughs> some of you, you want to gain weight, and some of you, you want to lose weight. Some of you want to be better at a sport, and some of you want to be better at drawing. Some of you, all of us, one way or another, are all trying and wanting some way, somehow, to be better at something or gooder at something. And so we have these things called New Year resolutions because last year wasn't good enough, so we got to bring resolution to what we fell short in last year. we got to resolve. we got to help ourselves out. And so we write down a list. And anybody in the house make resolutions? Anybody? I'm just curious. Just curious. A bunch of liars. Okay. One of you. Okay. Maybe a mental. Anybody make mental resolutions? Anybody have a mental resolution? Can shout it out? Yeah, just shout out. Oh, maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. I'm just. Oh. That's a good resolution. Now, can you <laughs> can you define junk for us? Define junk for us. Hot pocket. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so cheap food, junk food, just staying away from that kind of food. There's soda. Is soda included in there? So when you say, I want to eat less junk food, you're kind of leaving room for how much you really are going to have. Now, if you said no junk food, you'd be like, dang, dude, that's a, that's a resolution. <laughs> but he said less. Well, you know, last year I ate 616 cookies. This year I ate 615 cookies, yeah. And you did it, bro. We make these promises, and we make these resolutions. We're kind of funny. I, I, I've never actually making a list, but I definitely have had mental lists of what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. And as Christians, we, have our, we definitely have our lists of resolutions. And sometimes we have those lists, or we make those lists in our heart and our mind. Sometimes we make them in the morning when we wake up. Sometimes we make them in the beginning of the year, like four or five days ago. But all of us, naturally, as humans, tend to make a promise or a resolution. When we fail, we say, man, I'm never going to do that again. When you didn't read your Bible for six weeks, you go, dang it. I'm going to read my Bible more this year. Last year, I didn't really read my Bible that much. So this year, I'm going to read my Bible more. I didn't really pray that much last year, but this year, I'm going to pray more. I didn't really, you know, serve people that much this year. I didn't really do the dishes at my house and was lazy with my my bedroom, keeping it clean, and didn't do, do very good in school and kind of cheated and stole something this year. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that this year. I'm, you know, Lord, I, Lord, you know, Lord, this is a good year, Lord, and uh, Lord, it's 2012, those are two numbers that are even and one that's odd, Lord. I, I just, I just, I'm just accepting this is gonna be a good year, Lord, and I'm excited that uh, 
you know, I'm, it's going to be a good year, you know. You know I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to worship harder. Whatever that means, I'm just going to do it harder and longer and more. And uh, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I'm just, you know, I'm going to dance more this year. And, uh, and, and I'm going to, and the, and the list goes on and on and on. And I'm, we, you may never actually say it, but if we're not careful, we can easily get caught in this type of mentality. I'm going to do better. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be a better person. And then this year goes, and 2013 comes, you go, dang it, I sucked last year. (laughs) The Bible speaks nothing of us making promises to God. The Bible is everything about God making promises to us. You hear me? God never asked you to make a promise to him. He asked you to make a confession. A confession that you're a sinner and a confession that he is good. You hearing me? He doesn't want you making promises that you're going to be a better person. He doesn't want you singing about being a better person and how you you just want to give everything to him. You don't want to give everything to him. If you did, you would. Can we just be honest that we don't love God with our whole heart, mind, soul? Is anybody in here say you you love God perfectly? My goodness. But we sing about it and we talk about it and we pray about it. We want to want that. I understand, you know good heart we really want to love the lord but the truth is we're a bunch of liars and in saying that we're making ourselves out to even be more of liars let's just be honest my promises fail i will continue to fail in my promises god never asked me in his bible in his word to make a promise to him he asked me to believe his promises christianity christianity is more about you believing God's promises than it is about you trying to get God to believe your promises. You follow me? Christianity is more about you believing in God's promises than it is about trying to get God to believe in your promises. Because we're really good at trying to get God, God, I mean it this time, I'm going to do it. No, you're not. You're going to fail again. And you're going to keep failing until you realize you're a failure. Until you realize you're a failure is when you realize that you're a success and you're victorious in me. See, the gospel is completely contrary to American philosophy. American philosophy says, be a better you. The better you you are, the further you'll go in life. The truth is, we're all horrible yous. I'm just speaking the truth tonight. I hope you're encouraged. I <coughs> what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. Female sheep. Okay. We we are all naturally just bad people, and our promises don't work, and we fail them continually. We tend to have more faith in our promises than we do in God's promises. You know what I'm saying? 
that you tend to have more faith in your promises to God than you do in God's promises to you. God's trying to get you to believe his promises, and you're trying to get God to believe your promises. And then it's this constant battle, you know, all the time. We're just hoping that the Lord really knows this time, because this song, you know, this whole last week sucked, but Thursday, Lord, I'm really going to tell you, my whole life is yours. And he's going, no, it ain't. But it's okay, I love you anyway. Just stop saying it's all mine, because it ain't. About a percent of it is. But I didn't save you because your whole life was given, you gave your whole life to me. I saved you because I chose to save you. So as we look on a new year, Let's not make more promises. Let's look at his promises. Lord, this year, you're going to change the world. You can do it through me, Lord. No? No, it doesn't happen in a year. Unless he just shows up and comes back. That happens pretty quick. Lord, this year, I'm really going to evangelize at my school. Really? To be, you're just trying to be a better person, aren't you? Or this year I'm really going to love my parents. No, you ain't. You ain't because your perspective's wrong. If your perspective was right, you would love your parents more. But your perspective is because of how much you're a good person and not how God is so good. If you get your perspective of how good you are and how good God is, you will start loving your parents more. And you will evangelize your school. And you will be a better person. But if you get your mind and set your mind on how good you are, your life's going to suck because it's just a lie. I'm trying to help you out because <laughs> this helps me out. If I wake up in the morning and say, Lord, today, I'm giving my whole life today. No, I ain't. But I want to. I can say, Lord, I, you know what? I'm going to do the best I can, Lord. But either way, I know you love me. I know you're for me. We're going to look at some promises of God. From the scripture, we're going to open them up, and we're going to look at some promises that God has made to us. But what we just read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, it tells us that all the promises of God are certain if your faith is in Jesus Christ. God's promises will not fail and cannot fail. When God makes a promise, he's true and he's faithful and he'll do it. He cannot lie. So when God says something, it'll happen. When you say something, it probably won't happen. If it happens, sweet. We as humans want to be more faithful to our word. If I say I'm going to do something, I should do it. But the truth is, I don't have in and of myself the ability to be perfectly faithful and true. God, on the other hand, is in and of himself, and his nature, his character, is faithful and true. And so when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. We're going to look at 12 promises for 2012. Does that sound good? Does that sound good? 12 promises from the Bible in Jesus Christ for 2012. I'm not talking about your promises. I'm not talking about your grandma's promises. I'm not talking about your sister's promises. I'm not talking about your pet's promises. I'm talking about 12 promises from the Bible for 2012. You follow me? Twelve. 
We're going to start with number one. But before we go to number one, I want to speak to those of us who have a tendency of having this relationship with God that is all over the place. What I mean by that is your love <clears throat> for people and for God, if your love for people and for God is up and down, and you find that you are some days wanting to serve God and other days you're not, if, if, you, if you find that your life, as you looked back on 2011, and you had some highs, you had some lows, you made some huge mistakes, you had some pretty good successes, if you find that your life was like that, what I'm, what I'm proposing to you is that you are still a boy or you're still a girl. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. But if you have these highs and lows in your life, when I mean by highs and lows, I'm not talking about tough times. I'm not talking about trials and hardships. I'm talking about how you deal with trials and hardships. If you deal with them in a way that you allow them to affect you and the way you love, you're a boy, accept it. You might still be a baby. Or you're a little girl. And God desires that you as a boy would become a man, and God desires that you as girls would become women. I'm just trying to help somebody out. One's transition. The Lord spoke this to me just a few moments ago. One's transition from a boy to a man is when the base of his relationship with God transitions from feelings to faith. If you want to transition from a boy to a man or from a girl to a woman, then you must not live your life out of feelings anymore, but you must live your life out of faith and from faith. If the foundation of your life is what feels good, you're a boy. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how strong you are in the flesh. You're still a boy. Period. Accept it. It's the truth. And until you accept that you're a boy, you'll never become a man. Until you accept that you're a little girl, you'll never become a woman. As young people and as Americans, most of, the base, most of us and the basic baseline of our faith is based out of feelings, naturally. As a baby, think about a baby. Babies and little boys cry when they feel like crap, and they laugh when everything's going good. If your relationship with God looks like that, you're a baby or you're a boy, and you need milk. I hope that as I say this, you're honest with yourself. Because you'll just stay a boy or a baby the rest of your life. You must transition from feelings to faith. Following God is not about waiting for a feeling to follow God. Following God is choosing to follow and love God. 
because you have put your faith in who he is and what he has done. And when you understand that he is good and he has saved you and that you are his child, it will motivate you and compel you to live a life of love. But until your foundation is transitioned from feelings to faith, until that happens, you're going to keep living a life of up and down. And so that's why I'm going to speak to you 12 promises, because if you choose to put your faith in these 12 promises and many others, myriads of others that are found in Scripture, if you choose to put your faith in Jesus and who he is and what he's done for you, your life will be much more simple and you will be victorious and you will reign in this life and you will conquer in this life. But if you live your life out of feelings, you will hate your life. And you'll hate church. And you'll hate this idea of following God. Are you following me? I don't want to live a boyish life. Anybody else? I can be honest that this last year, God has been teaching me how I've been a boy and how I can become a man. And I so desire that we as people of God would choose as Christians. To be men and women of faith, not boys and girls of feelings. Trying to help you out. All right, 12. Say 12. 12 promises of God in 2012. Number one. Come on, say one. Number one, he, say he, is always with you. He is always with you. Not you're always with him because you pray enough. He is always with you because he said he would always be with you. Matthew 1.23, it says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. Her name was Mary. And she will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Jesus' name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us by and through the spirit of Jesus Christ who lives inside of you. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Hebrews 13, 5, he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The first promise that we, we must set our mind on, one of the promises, not necessarily first in priority or in importance, but just one of the promises that you must and we must set our mind on is that because we've put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has been sent to live and dwell within us. And if he lives and dwells within us, then God himself is always with us. If you choose to believe that God is always with you, you won't live a life of trying to get to God or trying to get him to come to you. And if you believe that he's always with you, your life will be much more easy and simple. Are you following me? Number one. He is always with us. Number two. This is a good one, too. This is all good ones. I, I had to pick through. I, I had to put a lot away and pick the ones that I really felt were important for us tonight. Number two, if you admit and confess your sins, he will forgive you. If you admit them and confess them, he'll forgive you. And he'll change you. If you lie and you say you're not sinning, you're going to stay in your shame and guilt. 
1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we admit our sins, make a clean breast of them, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. If you feel guilty, it's not because God's mad at you. Is anybody hearing me tonight? It's not because God's mad at you. It's because you're mad at yourself because you haven't allowed God to cleanse and wash away your conscience. And you haven't allowed him to do that because you haven't confessed that you're a sinner and that you failed again like you did the last 60 times. Will God forgive you again? Yes, he will forgive you again. It's his promise. I'm trying to help you confess when you sin. And he will forgive you and he'll cleanse your conscience and you will not have a guilty conscience. You'll be able to stand firm and strong before him. I don't care how many times you sinned last year. And you're not getting a new year because it's a new year. You don't have a clean slate because it's 2012. You have a clean slate because Jesus died on the cross for you. So confess, admit that you sinned and blew it. And don't just do it to God. Find someone you can trust and confess to them everything. There should be nothing hidden in your heart and in your mind and in your life. Confess or your bones will rot within you. And you will hate your life. Number two, if you admit and confess, he'll forgive you. He will forgive you. Gosh, that's a good promise. I'm so glad that, that the, the Christianity isn't about, well, he forgave you for everything you did when you believed. But now that you're a believer, you're screwed, man. Sorry. That would suck. But it doesn't say that. It says if you blow it, confess to him and to people. James 5, 16, confess your trespasses one to another and pray that God would heal you. What's the second one? Confess. What's the second one? What's the second one? Number three, he gives us peace that exceeds our understanding. 1 John 14, Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Philippians 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in this, as you live in Christ Jesus. There's a promise for you. There's there's, there's two promises. Your first promise is you will face tough times. I got a promise for you for 2012. Tough times will come. I'm not going to lie to you and say, hey, this is going to be a good year. Nothing bad is going to happen. No, bad things are going to happen. Motivational speakers will say good things are going to happen. True people say bad things are going to happen. When you become a Christian, you don't become immune to bad things. When you become a Christian, God gives you peace to endure through bad things. So bad things are going to happen. Tough times are going to happen. Some of you had a really tough year last year. I hope that you don't have another tough year this year. But if you do, make those things known to God. 
And when you put your faith and believe that you are forever going to be with Jesus Christ, that gives you peace. You know what I'm saying? When you understand that this is just, this is just, this is a momentary affliction and pain and suffering that I'm enduring right now, and that one day, in the twinkle of an eye, when I die, I'll be with him forever, that gives me peace. And I can endure through tough times. God has a promise for you. He's given you peace. You have his peace. It's up to you to live in it and walk in it or not. But the peace is yours. People go buy a piece at a gun store. <laughs> no, man, you got to get this one from the Word. This is one of them pieces that you got to get from Jesus. Hey, listen, <clears throat> instead of going, God, please give me peace, Jesus said, I gave it to you. Your peace comes. Listen. Your peace comes from understanding who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Are you following me? I'm not talking about peace that says, well, at least I got gas in my gas tank. Whew, feel better about today. Well, what if tomorrow you run out of gas in your gas tank? What if, what if tomorrow you slip, break your neck? Hope you don't. But what if it does? If it does, Jesus is good, and I'm going to be with him forever. That's my peace. Number three, peace. Say peace. All right, number four, joy. 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 Number four is joy. Joy that overflows is a promise from God. John 15, 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. There's a promise for you in 2012. You can and will go through tough times again. But God promises joy, that he promises that you will have joy, and your joy will overflow. Joy is, is, is an eternal sense of happiness and bliss. And again, joy comes from understanding who you are in Jesus. Joy comes from understanding, my goodness, life may suck right now. But when I put my mind and I set my perspective in my mind as a man, not a boy anymore, and as a little girl. But when I put my mind and set my heart and mind on Jesus and that he loves me and that I'm going to heaven, I have joy. Joy that overflows me to sing songs of praise to God. Joy that leads me to live a life of encouragement and blessing. I have joy when I, put my, when I put my mind and my perspective on Jesus. You will have joy in 2012 if you, if you walk in your faith in Jesus and what he's done. Look, these promises are not by trying harder and reading the Bible more and praying harder. Joy doesn't come because you read enough Bible scriptures. That's stupid. That's stupid. That's stupid. Joy doesn't come because you listen to stupid worship music. That's stupid thinking. Stupid thinking. Joy doesn't come because you, you woke up in the morning, you got in the shower, and you put on worship music, and you're like, okay, I'm hoping that joy comes. That does not, that's stupid thinking. <clears throat> joy comes 
You experience joy. When you become a man, when you choose to be a man or woman of faith, to believe and to activate your faith in who Jesus is and what he has done. Are you following me? It's not by doing better things and being a better person. It's by a choice in your heart and in your mind to put your mind and your, in your heart on something. Ultimately, Jesus. You may think I'm crazy, some of you. I'm telling you this is real, and I experience it. Joy. Say joy. Five. Say five. Fifth one. Whatever you ask according to his name, it will be done. In 2012, whatever you ask in his name, it will be done. That's a good promise. Whatever you ask. In his name <coughs> will be done. The key there is in his name. His name is uh, it's a, it's, it's a word phrase that we don't use in, in the Western culture anymore. It, it simply means anything you ask in my character, anything you ask that is of me, anything you ask that is of my heart and my desire and my will. If you ask me of what I desire and what I want, it will be done for you. He's not saying if you ask for a moped, he's going to give you a moped. <clears throat> if you ask for a, a trip to, to Vegas, you're not going to get the trip to Vegas unless he wants you to go for a particular reason. You following me? John 14. You can ask anything in my name, and I will do it so the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for me. Ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Number six, halfway there. Number six, he will build his church. Promise. Jesus says in Matthew 16, Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I'm going to build my church. God's promising that this year, he's going to take care of his church. He's going to build his church, his people. It's going to, people are going to get saved this year, not because you're a better person, but because God chooses to save people. His church <clears throat> is going to become more holy and more like him. His church is going to experience him in a new and an awesome way because Jesus promises. So you don't got to try to make sure that, that this church grows this year or that God's church grows in any way. It's not your job. It's his job. Your job is to continue to set your faith on him and love people. Faith and love. Are you following me? He will build his church. Seven. <clears throat> what the? Uh, number seven. If you humble yourself, he will exalt you. Number seven. If you humble yourself, say humble. He will exalt you. Say exalt. First Peter 5.8 or 5.6. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. This year you have a choice. You have a choice to either try to control your life and be prideful and arrogant and be the boss of your life, or you can choose to humble yourself. And if you humble yourself, God in the right timing will exalt you and promote you. 
If you stay humble, you stay hidden, you stay broken, God will exalt you. If you have ears to hear what I'm saying right now, please listen to what I'm saying. Because some of you don't even have ears to hear what I'm saying. And it's obvious. If those of you who hear what I'm saying, hear what I'm saying, take it to heart and walk in it. Humble yourself. Stop trying to control your life. Stop trying to make things happen in your life. Stop being arrogant. Stop acting like you're a perfect person. Stop acting like you got everything together. You don't. Humble yourself. And if you do, God will exalt you. If you're trying to be promoted, stop promoting yourself. Stop trying to get to the next level in life. Shut up, humble yourself, and let God exalt you in his timing because he loves you. And if he promotes you too soon, it'll crush you. So he keeps you broken and humbled so that in his right timing, he will exalt you. The problem is that we don't experience this enough as Christians because we have a problem of not humbling ourselves because we're naturally prideful and arrogant and stuck up. So humble ourselves. If you humble yourself, he will exalt you. It's a promise. It's sure. You humble yourself, he'll change you. You'll become more like him. You'll experience him in new ways, in more ways. You say prideful, he resists you. Eight, the Holy Spirit is and will lead us and guide us. The Holy Spirit is leading us and he is guiding us. God is, God is guiding you. You don't got to ask God to guide you this year. Lord, I pray. I really hope, Lord, that you're going to guide me this year. Lord, lead me this year, Lord. You don't got to pray that prayer. He's not a bad shepherd. He's not a bad father. You don't have to remind him of him. He wants to lead you. And he is leading you. The problem isn't that we need to get God to lead us. The problem is that we need to see that he is leading us and be willing to follow him where he's leading us. John chapter 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you whatever he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. There is a truth that the Holy Spirit that is inside of you is always leading you and guiding you into all truth. In 2012, you will hear many things. You will hear many teachings and ideas and philosophies. But you can be assured that your God, because he's faithful, he's a good shepherd, and he's a good father, he will make sure that he leads you and guides you into what is true. You may only get two truths out of 2012. And hear a bunch of lies. But he is going to lead you down that path because that is his nature. He is good and he does that. Now, if you want to learn and understand more truths and walk in more truths of God, that's up to you. That's based on you choosing to follow his leading in your life. But God will lead you. You know what it feels like when you know that you know that you're following and you're in his plan and you're in his footsteps. God is leading you. 
and he is guiding you. My prayer for you is not that God would lead you. My prayer for, my prayer for Josie is not that God would lead her when she's down there. My prayer for Ashley isn't, God, I pray you lead Ashley when she's down there. My prayer is that they would see where God is leading them. We pray, we pray too much for God and not enough for people. Crazy. We pray too much for God and not enough for people. God's leading you, and he's guiding you. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, right? You could read it when you get home. Another time you've heard it before. God is a good shepherd. He is leading you, and he is guiding you, even through tough times, even through valleys of shadow. God is guiding you and leading you and taking care of you. God is, God is molding you and shaping you. You may not even feel like it. You may be running from God in this time of your life right now. And he's going to use this someday in your life. Unless you completely say, I don't want you at all, and I renounce you, Jesus, as my Lord and God, well, then you go to hell. But if you choose to continue to believe that Jesus is the only way, maybe you're running from God. But God will make sure that he brings you back in alignment with him. Stop running. And watch and see where he is leading you and where he is guiding you. God's leading you. He's doing it. Look for his leading. Amen? Eight, nothing can separate us from the love of God. There ain't nothing you can do this year that's going to separate you from the love of God. This is a promise. Romans chapter 8, 38. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us <clears throat> from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Nothing, even the powers of hell, can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 10, 28. I give them, my sheep, eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. That's a good promise. Nothing can separate you. There ain't nothing you can do. There's no power here that's going to work against God. There's no sin that you can commit that's going to make God separate from you. Nothing can snatch you out of God's hand. Is it 2012? Don't make a promise that you're never going to leave God. Look at the promise that God will never leave you. Don't make a promise that your love for him will never leave him and never separate from him. Look at his promise that his love for you will never leave you or forsake you. You hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about perspective. This will determine, I'm telling you, this day by day will determine what your life looks like. Your promises or God's promises. Ten, he will comfort you in trials, distresses, and pain. This is the promise. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. He's always ready to help. 
He's, he's ready. He's ready to help. You will face tough times this year, as I said earlier. But God is always ready to help you and to comfort you and to be with you and to make himself known to you. Second Corinthians, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. <clears throat> he comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. As you go through tough times this year, and you experience tough times this year, you can hold on to a promise that God will comfort you. And he will comfort you through other people, and sometimes he'll comfort you when you're alone by yourself. How many experienced the comfort of God this year? You've been through tough times, you've experienced the comfort of God. Sweet. He will. He's ready. Eleven. If you die, <laughs> if you die in 2012, because that, that's a true fear. I mean, I don't, I'm just being honest with you. Let me ask you a question. Is it impossible that you would die in 2012? All right, so I need a promise then. Because if I die in 2012, I want to make sure there's a promise I can hold on to. If you die in 2012, you will be raised to be with God forever. That's a good promise. That's a good promise. Isn't that a good promise? If you die, if somebody that you know, that you love, that has their faith in Jesus, if they die, they will be raised to be with God forever. That's awesome. 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as a natural human body, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual and heavenly bodies. If you die this year, but your faith is in Jesus, you'll go and be with him forever. That's a good promise. And finally, 12. The 12th promise that I, I came up with tonight that I felt God put on my heart for us for 2012 is he is ever and forever pleased with you before you do anything this year. He is ever pleased with you before you did anything this year. Romans 3, verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who we are, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For our sins. For God pre presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus Christ sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. <clears throat> There's a scripture 
in Luke chapter 3. It says that Jesus was baptized. And when he was baptized in water and he came out, a voice came out of heaven and said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. The Bible teaches us that if you're in Christ Jesus, if you are in him by your faith in him, if you believed in him, you've been put into Jesus. And how God looks at Jesus, God also looks at you. The way that God sees Jesus is the same way, I'm speaking the truth to you, is the same way that God looks at you. So if God is pleased with Jesus, then in 2012, before you do anything good or bad, if you choose to put your faith and have put your faith in Jesus, God is very pleased with you. He's pleased with you. He smiles at you. All the promises of God are in Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in him, everything good and perfect that God intended for you is yours. It's whether or not you're choosing to be a boy, a girl, a man, or a woman of faith. You can stay in this place of boyishness where you just go by whatever feels good. Or you can choose to go, no, God is good today. And I may not feel like loving people. And I may not feel like loving God. And I may not feel like giving my life to God. I may not feel like it. But I'm going to do it. Because Jesus is good. Because Jesus died. He lived. He died. He's buried. He resurrected. He showed himself off to over 500 people. He ascended into heaven. And he poured out his spirit into your heart and my heart. We stand here today, some of you sitting. I stand, you sit, we're here by faith that Jesus is God and he has saved us. If you believe that, these promises and all the promises of the Bible are yours. So don't be a boy and don't be a girl in 2012. Choose to believe. Let's be men of faith and women of faith. Not boys and girls with feelings. Sound good? And, and, and let's not make a promise. God, this year I'm going to be a man of faith. Don't make another promise. <laughs> You're caught in the trap again. Don't make another promise. Just look at his promises and believe. Would you stand with me? Stand up. Everybody stand up. Twelve promises. For 2012. Throat's kicking, man. Don't get too close to me. We will be here next week. And the next week. That's kind of a promise. I'm not going to apologize for being true with you. Because you needed to hear everything I said tonight. It's good for you. <clears throat> if you're upset at me, it's okay. Go read your Bible. And it will affirm that what I'm saying is true. Listen to what God is saying to you. Take it to heart. Let's not be boys and girls. Let's be people of faith. Would you pray with bow your head and pray with me? Father, tonight we are just looking for a moment at these promises.
And God, I am so grateful and thankful for how good you are to us and how faithful and merciful that, God, you never leave us and that you forgive us when we confess and you always comfort us when we go through trials and hardships. God, that you're there with us in time of need and distress. God, I thank you that you have given us and filled us with the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you continue to teach and renew our minds of these truths and who we are in you and cause us from these truths to be people, to be men and women of faith and love. I thank you for your people, God. I'm asking, God, that you'd open up our eyes to see and cause us to believe and to know that you are good, that you are true. Cause us to be men and women of faith in this year. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.